0: Commander, we're pinned down by enemy forces. They're flanking us on every side. We need reinforcement stat. They need to be willing to do anything for our Lord. They need to be willing to be... Spiritual War Requires Spiritual Armor. Are you wearing it? Welcome back to the second part of our Armor of God study in our Spiritual Warfare series. We don't want to waste any time going into our stuff this week. Our books that we're using are the same as last week, The Holy Bible written by the Holy Spirit, The Sharif Imperative written by Michael Lake, Expelling Darkness written by Russ Dizdar, and Warrior Priest Mindset written by me. I'll be going over the details for the Nephilim Mounds Conference a little later. And for our paid content, I go over something mentioned in my book about an upgrade for the armor of God found elsewhere in the New Testament. Did you know about that? Probably not. So, let's get right into this. Like I always say, we are in a spiritual war. If you are not aware of this war, then you are losing this war. So a lot of the problems manifested in the physical world are from spiritual sources. So let's say you're feeling lethargic. Let's say you're feeling run down. Let's say you're feeling heavy. That could be demonic oppression that's going unaddressed. So let's get back into our armor. We have little time to waste. So the next piece of armor we're gonna get into is the gospel boots of peace. These are found in Ephesians 6, 15 and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So your feet are shod with the preparation, the readiness of the good news of peace. So at the time when Paul wrote Ephesians, one of the greatest warriors of the time was the Roman legionnaire. They wore a a sandal called a caliga. It was basically a cross between, it was a laced sandal and a sturdy boot. Now the bottom had a thick leather sole and was studded with nails. So this wasn't just a, uh, your, your rainbow sandal. This was a war sandal. Now for a knight, this would be a war boot, a sabaton. Now if you were to kick somebody with these nail-studded boots, with these nail-studded sandals, it would tear them up, okay? So you could use these to not only be offensive, to fight the enemies of the light, to fight darkness, but you could also dig your feet into the ground and stand firm and hold your ground and push forward and take more ground with the gospel of peace. So the gospel part, what is the gospel? The gospel is Jesus, being God in human form, came to the earth. He died for the forgiveness of all of our sins to save us from death. He rose from death on the third day and was seen by many witnesses. And all of this went according to scriptures. So the the gospel of Christ is the good news of his coming uh, to provide forgiveness for us. Pretty foundational, basic stuff. A lot of people don't know how to phrase it. So there there's a, a, a kind of a summation of it. Now, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom, and it is defined as completeness, soundness, welfare, or peace. So, the verse in Ephesians tells us to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In other words, we need to have our feet covered with the good news of Christ's coming and of completeness, soundness, welfare, and peace. Now, we walk that out. We walk in peace, hence the the boots of peace. So, we need every step we take to be covered in God's good news and God's peace. So this directly relates to how we deal with people as well as ourselves. So since we know we're called to live peaceably with all men, this is a big part of that. There's no room for pride when you're trying to live peaceably. Now, Satan and his dark allies will always be trying to replace peace with chaos and disorder. You know this, okay? Even if you're not a Christian you stumble across this video, you know what I'm talking about. Everybody knows what I'm talking about right now. The God of this world, Satan, the enemy and his forces, seeks to cause disorder. You ever meet somebody and you're just like, man, they always stir up trouble. They always want to stir up trouble. Or you ever do something throughout your day and you're like, man, why is everything going wrong today? The the, the trajectory of this world is towards chaos and disorder. Now, we are at direct odds with that as believers in God. We're not to be like that and we're not to, to sow disorder and, and chaos. So, it's, the, the deck's stacked against us unless you count in the power and might of God that's given to us through the armor of God. So, in the, in the natural, in the physical, the deck is always stacked against us. There's beings way more powerful than us running the show, and there's a million of their minions, a million people empowered by these things, a million people unknowingly serving these things that are all against our peace, our way of life, and just our general happiness. Okay, but with God, none of those numbers equal one Yahweh. In power, in majesty, in anything. So keep that in mind. Now the enemy wants to get you to hold long-lasting grudges, to walk around prideful, and to be too proud to forgive people. This is the antithesis of peace, acting this way. So living this way, unforgiveness, grudges, it causes what Hebrews calls a root of bitterness. Now since our war is not against flesh and blood, but against supernatural entities, I believe the root of bitterness is an actual thing in the spiritual realm. I tend to think that way. Even if it's not, the cause and effect are still the same. So Hebrews 12:15 says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. So it talks about a root of bitterness springing up. From what? From bitterness. Duh. So many things in this world can still your peace and are trying to actively still your peace. Wounds from the past, wounds from childhood, abandonment issues from your parents, being cheated on, Okay. Your own sinful past coming back to haunt you. So these things all will steal your peace, but God has the remedy for that. Cause he told you to, to cast his burdens on him. He tells you to ask for repentance. He will, you pray for healing in those areas. You could ask the Holy Spirit, expose areas in my life where I'm, I need healing that are, that are a cause of, of something stealing my peace. And you pray for that and you get deliverance. You talk to a deliverance minister, you, you, you can do some self deliverance from what I hear, but it's, it's also important that you, you, you know, you have, you go to, you go to another person, And I'll get more into that as this series progresses, Lord willing. So we cannot let the pain from our past keep hurting us in the present and in the future. We can't keep paying for sins that we paid for back then. We can't keep being hurt from something that somebody did to us that hurt us back then in our childhood. Stuff that happened to us may not be our fault, but living with it continuously, it's our duty to now clean that out, whether we put it there or not. So a good example, Oh, and by the way, spiritual warfare shirt, battle of champions. Anyways, so an analogy that that works perfectly for this is like a snake coiled around a handsaw. The snake is holding so tightly onto the handsaw of its past hurts or wrongs that have been done to it, that when you try to take the pain away, when God tries to take that pain away, that snake coils up and, and hangs onto it tighter and tighter and just says, no, no, it still hurts me. It still hurts me. And then when the saw is pulled away, it's cutting the snake and the snake is wrapped around it, cutting itself. The snake is doing itself harm by holding on to the handsaw of its past, basically. Now, that's just like us. We keep holding on to stuff. We keep holding on to grudges, and they keep hurting us. It's like a fresh wound. You have a scab, and you pick the scab every day. Every day, you pick the scab. Every day, it never heals. Something that happened to you four weeks ago, you keep picking the scab. Okay, we are not called to live that way. we got to snap out of that stuff. It's time to be victorious through the Lord. The horse is prepared for the day of ba- battle, but victory lies in the Lord. I believe that's Proverbs 21, 31. Okay, so the, the victory comes from the Lord. And that word victory can also be translated as safety. Safety comes from the Lord. So that's why forgiveness is so important. you got to free yourself from what people did to you. you got to free them, but, but you got to free yourself from carrying that around. Now, this is one aspect of peace which is involved in the Boots, the Gospel of Peace. So your peace is directly tied to your health. If you don't have peace with yourself or others, your health will deteriorate. Now, the fact of the matter is you cannot go on as an effective believer, effective knight in Yahweh's kingdom without peace. So if you're not living a life of peace, if you're living a life, life of chaos and disorder, it'll be a matter of time before you succumb to drugs, alcohol, or sex to cope with your chaos, your chaotic and disorderly life. And all those will make your life worse. So we are to use the metal nails, the metal studs in the bottom of our boots to dig our feet in to the ground side by side with our brothers and sisters in the Lord and refuse to give any ground to the enemy. Dig your feet in, hold your shield of faith up in your phalanx formation with your brothers and sisters and refuse to let the enemy even come an inch into your ground. Don't give him any ground, any territory. Push forward to win the spoils of war, which are the souls of more brethren to add to our ranks to save people from bondage. Don't give ground. That's why our, our sandals of peace have those spikes in them. So we could dig in and take back what's what's Yahweh's. Now in the spiritual, there's wars raging. In the physical, we don't need to be fighting people. We don't need to be forcibly taking the kingdom. Okay? In the spiritual, it may look different, but in the physical, you are to be, live peaceably with all men as much as you can. So just remember, humans will always let you down because they're humans. Just like you are a human and you've let many people down. So don't let that give the enemy a foothold. Don't let that cause you to look to the left and get distracted and have you lose ground. It ha- ha- it, it pulls up your footing. Don't let people hurting you pull up your footing from your, your boots of peace is what I would say. So Matthew 5, four says to love our neighbors and pray for those who persecute us. That's hard. Everybody, wants, everybody talks about being a good Christian until they have to pray for their enemies or forgive people. So Matthew 5, 44 says, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. In light of the sin that we have been forgiven of and how how treacherous and vile we were, we then need to use that when we're having problems forgiving other people, just remember what God forgave you of. So ask, like I said earlier, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal times in your life that traumatized you or, or hurt you or ruined you or caused lasting pain so you could heal them and have your peace restored. No one is perfect but the Father, and we cannot afford to waste any more days because the time is short. Everyone says that. Everyone thinks their time is the end time, but guess what? We have all the signs in our times to show us that this is the end times. So now we move on to our shield of faith. Ephesians 6.16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, we're going to look at another verse, Romans 117. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So what is faith? Faith can be easily summed up as trusting in God's character instead of our own strength and understanding, the evidence for things unseen. So you decide to trust in God's character. That's having faith in God. You trust in God's steadfastness. You say, I trust that he is looking out for me and work everything out and will work everything out for good for those he's called to his purpose and I'm called to his purpose. So I trust him. I may not like it along the way. I, it may seem like he's not doing me good, but he is faithful and I put my faith in him. So that's the faith of the shield of faith. Now a must have in every knight, Roman legionaries, armory, any, any kind of warrior is the shield. So the Roman shield is the, the big, tall body shield. That's called a scutum, scutum. So there's other shields, there's bucklers and all that. But before the, this study, we're talking about a big shield, uh, that, that defensive full body type of shield. Now, a shield has two parts. The outer surface to take the hits, which is God's faithfulness. That's what protects us. That's what extinguishes the fiery darts. And then the inner side, the handle that we hold on to. So that we do our part by willingly lifting up that shield, trusting in the shield that it's going to help us, trusting that it's going to protect us. And that's our part. So it's up to every knight to take care of his own shield and repair it. So wherever you have a lack of faith or doubt creeps in, that's a smudge or a breakdown of the leather on the inside of your armor. So shields were, were made of sometimes six types of animal skins are made of leather. Now, if you left it out, you didn't take care of it, you didn't oil it up, it would get hard and crack and fall apart on the inside. So our end of it is to repair the lapses in faith or the, the moments of doubt. You repair that by oiling it with the word of God. Now, what are the fiery darts? This is a big deal. This is a big important part of the Armor of God study. The fiery darts of the enemy, they're called plumbata. They're javelins, spears. Um, Some people liken them to arrows, but they're mainly talked about as projectile things thrown, hurled from afar. Now, a lot of us Christians are walking around looking like human pincushions in the spirit realm, full of plumbata from the enemy, full of fiery darts, lit on a fire and thrown at us and sticking out of us that we can't remove. Some people that could see into the spiritual realm, um, take this for for what you will, but they say they actually see stuff like that, okay? So basically, these fiery darts, this is what they are. The fiery darts of the enemy are involuntary feelings or thoughts from ourselves, others, or demonic entities that are meant to suggest lies, oppress, or suggest bad things, and they are contrary to the word of God. So involuntary thoughts from an outside force that are contrary to the word of God. Whether that source be our own mind, whether that source be induced by the enemy, whether that source be other people. The point is, they are not in line with the word of God. So when you throw a javelin at somebody, if you can kill somebody, that's great. But you weren't always trying to kill somebody with that. You know, they're they're meant to basically take you off track or slow you down. And that's what these thoughts are meant to do. The thought life is one of the biggest battlefields you will be on. That is where one of the the biggest spiritual fights takes place for your entire life. The thought life. Because thoughts lead to actions, actions lead to habits, habits lead to you becoming the person who does those habits, you becoming those habits. This is not something minor, this is not something light, this is very, very important. So these plumbata, when these fiery darts stick in us, they cause anxiety, fear, uncertainty, discouragement, and disappointment. All those things that are contrary to God. Anxiety is worry about the future, okay? We're supposed to have faith and trust in God. So if, you ha- if you're if you having anxiety, you're worrying about the future. Disappointment or discouragement is usually from the past. So you, you're you letting something from the past keep affecting you. God forgives you for that. So that's contrary to what he says. Now, uncertainty falls in with anxiety. Doubt is a lack of faith. Fear is a lot of times a lack of faith because you are worried. You're, you're fearful of something happening. But guess what? Faith is trusting in God that he'll take care of you. So that's what these things are, are, are intended to inspire within believers. So not only are you called to take up the shield of faith, but you're called to lift it up almost on top of your head sometimes, depending on where the attacks are coming from and stop from the the raining down of attacks upon you. So you hold up your shield for others. Let's say you have your wife right here and your kids behind you, you hold up the shield and you protect your family. It's not just for you. So if you're weak at holding this up, if you don't even realize you have access to a shield and you're just running through the battle, trying to cover your wife and kids and just run to the end of the battlefield, that is ridiculous. You have a shield. God tells you how to use it. You have faith in Him. You live by faith. Therefore, the shield, you have access to it. You've unlocked it, basically. That's why it's so important to do these studies, to, to not only, I'll say this, a lot of people probably see, oh, armor of God, oh, I know all about that, the shield of faith, oh, you have to have faith in God, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but, but we're digging into it a little deeper. And one of the main purposes of, of my videos and, and my ministry is to have a practical application to the things we learn. If you learn everything about the shield of faith, but you don't use it, then it is worthless. If you memorize the Bible, but don't live it, it is worthless to you. So really take these things to heart and apply them in your life. Now, an example of the shield of faith, you, you we've all had times in our lives where God was seemingly silent and we're about to make a big decision. And then we just start uh, having doubt creeping because, oh, God's not talking to me. Okay. Number one, he gave you 66 books of the Bible. So he did talk to you. Number two. There's decisions I had to make in my life where I didn't feel he was pushing me to some way. I felt like he wasn't there. And then I found out later that, that was he was expecting me to move in faith. This is not to discourage waiting on God, okay? I'm just talking about the times where he is silent and you're waiting, and it's almost like there's a stalemate, and sometimes you're asked to move in faith. Sometimes it's you have to you know, pull the trigger, so to speak. So this is where doubt creeps in. This is where those darts are being hurled. The enemy sees this, and the enemy says... Oh man, what are you gonna do about this? You got laid off from your job, what are you gonna do? Little do you know, a couple weeks from then in the spirit, you have a huge job that's gonna be given your way that, ha- that pays better than your other job. But in the flesh, in the physical, all you see is that circumstance. So one of the worst things we can do as believers is focus on the circumstances. Yes, you can gain knowledge from the circumstances. Obviously, sometimes you have to work within circumstances, but don't consider your circumstances as binding. God can work through anything. He can do anything, even if it's impossible on earth, he can do it. So circumstances to the believer should be a minor thing, in my opinion, and I live that way, okay? I live that way. So circumstances are nothing more than a chance for God to gain glory because of the the impossible look of the situation. Once he delivers you from it, once he pulls you through it, it gives him glory, which then ultimately leads people to him, which ultimately gets more souls won. Now, just like the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith is not our faith. It is God's faith, and he protects us from the enemy. So we see in Psalms 28 7, The Lord is my strength and my shield, so He is our shield. My heart trusted in Him, and I am helped, therefore my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song will I praise Him. Now Psalms 3 3, But Thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. So He'll console you, He'll lift up your head, He'll bring up your countenance, but He is your shield. Also another verse. So the most effective mindset on the battlefield we need to have as believers is calmness. Calmness comes from faith, because if you have faith that God's going to work things out, you don't need to get worked up. You don't need to spin your wheels in place and get fired up in in a negative way. And and not you know passion and excitement is one thing, but anxiety and oh let's just get this done, oh let's do this, oh, like that kind of thing. That negative tone to it that doesn't help you. What helps you is a calm mind on the battlefield, not acting in haste, like we could see in Proverbs nineteen two. God is not a god of haste. He's got a god of patience and timing. Doesn't mean he can't move quick sometimes, but it means he doesn't rush you. So let's look at Matthew 8, 26 to 27. And he said to them, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? So right there we see that uh, fear is tied in with a lack of faith. Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. He's a God of calmness. He caused the calmness. And the men marveled and said, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and seas obey him? So when they went down to Jesus, he was sleeping, and he was calm. You know why? Because he knew that God the Father would provide for the situation. He didn't look at the circumstances of the storm raging around him and start to flip out. He knew. He knew his authority in God, and he knew that God would ultimately work everything out for good no matter what happens. Now, let's get into our quick conference break. We're going to talk about the Nephilim Mounds Conference. This is in Newark, Ohio. It is March 27th through 29th in the year of our Lord, 2020. Tickets are $89, there's no live streaming, but there will be DVDs for purchase eventually. You have Russ Dizdar of Shadow of the Darkness, he helps uh, satanic ritual abuse victims. He helps deliver people. His podcast helped me be delivered from demons. You have Elmar Marzulli. He goes around and finds the skulls of these demons when they were giants. He goes around and DNA tests them. Then you have Chief Joseph Riverwind. He goes around and, and sees what the old Native Americans said in their stories and how they compare to our Bible and how they match up from a world away, which, oh, modern uh, colleges tell us, hey, they, they, didn't, they didn't travel this far. I can't even keep up with what they say. But the fact that there's giant bones found in Ohio, that the giants possibly left the promised land and landed in the Ohio Valley, kind of debunks a lot of the old common thoughts. So I'm excited. Uh, A praise report for God. Like I said in the last episode, it is amazing that I listened to these gentlemen and have their research material and listened to them over uh, about 10 years ago. And now God has put me in a position to be there with them working for the lord with them now that is not anything to brag on me because trust me i could not have made that happen but he has set those seeds in me when i was younger gave me a a love for this a calling for this a passion for this and then i see the seeds growing now into what he had planned all along it's amazing god god will do that once you come to the lord you start to get who you really are restored back to you for a while when i was living in sin drinking living crazy Who I was as a a kid, all my things I liked as a kid went away. And I thought I just grew away from them. Turns out they're still there. They're God-given passions that once I came to the Lord and gave my life to Him, they're restored. He restores the years, the locust ate. So that's the conference. It's going to be amazing. I think one of the days we are going to the the Nephilim Mound in Newark, Ohio. And there's a workbook that's given with the conference to, with all all of us are going to put notes from our presentations in a workbook so you could take something home with you and it's going to be a great time and please pray for this conference pray for all the speakers while we do the Lord's work and we love you guys and let's continue with our talk the helmet of salvation Ephesians 6:17 and take the helmet of salvation so the helmet of salvation if you're looking at the Roman helmet was a fully covered helmet with protection for the neck the back of the neck and the sides the sides of the face right here. So in the physical realm, a helmet will protect your head. However, in the spiritual realm, it protects your thoughts and identity. So the helmet provides the best truthful view on what our King has done for us through salvation and why he did it. So if you have the helmet on properly, you understand you're totally forgiven. You understand you're totally saved. You understand you are declared righteous. You understand you are being empowered and you understand Jesus is in you. You understand these things with this helmet. If you're not living this way, then the helmet, you don't have access to the helmet. So this helmet makes your mind impervious to the enemy's lies. If you keep this helmet on correctly and you practice what it takes to wear it. And, and just a quick refresher, you don't put the armor of God on by praying, you put it on by li- by the Ephesians 6, one through nine. You live those verses and then Ephesians 10 through 18 are given to you. You can appropriate them from the way you live. And, and if you just think about it on a basic level, if you're, living, if you're a liar and you're living in lies, you cannot put on the belt of truth because you, it doesn't work. You can't have the belt of truth on if you are lying. So that's that. just a refresher course. So the helmet of salvation allows us to have 100% confidence that we are saved and set free. So many believers go through their walk defeated because they're, they're not even sure they're saved. I went through a point like that too. And it's dreary and it's sad and, and you, you start to get a workspace mentality trying to figure out how can I get to know that I'm saved. So the, the, the way to get stronger in the Lord is by believing his word. So you read his word, you believe his word, put his word into practice. Then you start to learn the truth. Then you start to be confident of these things. And then you can put on the arm, the uh, helmet of salvation. Now we need to have the renewing of our mind with this helmet. Now Romans 12, two says to be transformed by the re- renewing of our mind. Now the Greek word for mind is nous, and it could be understood as mind, reason, or understanding. And the way I like to refer to it is mindset or perspective. Now perspective is is a particular attitude toward a way of regarding something or a point of view. So it's basically how you choose to view things, which is mindset. So that's why the warrior priest mindset, the warrior priest way of viewing things. That's my book, available on Amazon. So if your perspective is based on lies, then you can be completely manipulated by the enemy in those areas. If you believe lies about your salvation, he can manipulate you and attack you, throw his plumbata at you, to get you to, to question your salvation, which makes you a weakened believer. And you can never live up to your full potential um, if you have holes in your game, basically. Now, why is the renewing of our mind so important? Let's see Romans 12, 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So you need to renew your mind so you can find that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God and live it. So you need to have that sinfulness removed from your mind, place for righteousness, and then walk out how you need to live. And the enemy's forces are always trying to lie to us about our salvation and our identity in Christ. Because if you don't know your power, then you can't use your power against them. So the enemy tells us we're worthless. God tells us we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And that's in Psalms 139.14. The enemy tells us we have no purpose, yet Yahweh tells us we are predestined and adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. That is in Ephesians 1.5. The enemy tries to get us to earn God's love, which we will always fall short. And the enemy tries to hold our past sins against us. But we know our Father has offered us lasting forgiveness. If only we ask it of Him. If only we repent, He will give it to us. Now, the Holy Spirit decided that He is a seal on the scroll of our lives. That's Ephesians 1.13. So you could see how theologically and spiritual warfare dense Ephesians is. And just like a scroll from medieval times, the seal represents protection, ownership, and authenticity. So we are owned by God and protected by him. So when he puts a seal on us, he's saying, I will, I'm putting my protection on this, I'm putting my name on this, I'm declaring my ownership, and I'm declaring it an authentic creation. Now one thing we need to know, we need to be confident of, is that Yahweh is more powerful than any amount of fallen angels, demons, or anything, and if we submit to him, we are empowered by His that same power. That doesn't mean we go after fallen angels. There's nowhere in the Bible that tells us to go after them, but we can cast out demons and deliver them or deliver people from them. Now, if you start to have have lies in your head, fiery darts from the enemy, and the way to protect your head is with the truth. Now, what you can do is pray. You pray and say, Lord, this is what I pray. Let's say a, a, a vile thought comes in my head. I say, Lord, thank you that I'm not that old man anymore. Thank you that I'm not that person. Please remove this thought from my head. I don't like being plagued with these thoughts. Please I rebuke the enemy around me. Send them away. Stop them from sending these, these fiery darts my way. And just thank you, thank you, thank you that that I am not this way anymore. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And now, the fact that those thoughts grieve you shows that you're not that person anymore. Because a lot of people, they'll get a bad thought, like, oh, like a lustful thought. Like, oh, go, like, look at that woman over there, and they have a girlfriend. And they're like, oh, man, why? that's horrible. I have a girlfriend. Yeah, but that's not you thinking that. Because you are grieved, because you said that's horrible. You're like, oh man, this is horrible. Now, if you acted on it, yeah, that's you doing it. But the thoughts, like I said, that's one of the biggest spiritual battlefields. So the fact that you are grieved by that thought shows that is not in line with who you are now. The thoughts still show up. You still have the flesh, you still have an enemy. So you rebuke that and you move on with your day. We're told by 2 Corinthians 10, 5 to take every thought captive. Now what that means is, don't just let bad thoughts stew in your head. If you're if you're anger if you're angry, don't let it be in your head unchecked. Just because you're not acting on it, if you're just looking at the person, you're so annoyed with them, and you just want you just like, man, I just want to slap that person. And you just picture it and you think about it, but you're not gonna go over there and do it. Okay, you can be urged, you can be tempted into doing it. Thoughts turn into actions. So take every thought captive. That doesn't mean take it and big, oh like let's get that thought out of here. That means declare war on it, like with that prayer we just said. Thank you, God, that I'm not this way. I, you grab it by the neck and you throw it out of your mind. You say, Lord, I know that's a lie. I know that's not your truth. Thank you for, for regenerating my mind and making me not like that. And please rebuke anything around me that, that's causing that thought. In Jesus' name, amen. Boom. Take every thought captive. So you got to remember that our, our our knowledge and our confidence from our helmet of salvation comes from knowing the word. Memorize scriptures. Read the word. Apply the word. I say this all the time, but it's important. And And it's important to measure everything you hear, everything you read, everything you look at, Um, against the Word of God to see if it's true. You don't trust man, you don't trust my videos, you don't trust this next guy's videos, you don't trust books from uh, old church leaders, you just trust the Word of God and see what it says. You have to prove yourself a worthy student of the Bible. So now we're gonna get into the sword of the Spirit, verse Ephesians 6, 17, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So no knight is complete without his sword. Our sword is not physical, but spiritual. The physical manifestation of our sword is the Bible. That's what that's that's what the spiritual sword looks like in our realm. It looks like a Bible. In the physical realm, it looks like a sword. And you know, when Jesus comes back with a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth, it's not. I don't think it's a literal sword coming out of his mouth. I think it's the word of God. I think he comes back quoting scripture. What did he do with Satan in, in Matthew 4? Um, Quoted scripture. So, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. Remember that. I used to think it was the only offensive item we have in our battle gear of the Lord, but it's not our next piece we're gonna get into, we'll see why. But when Jesus was tempted of the devil in the wilderness, he quoted scripture, and he walked out those scriptures with his actions. That's Matthew four, one through 11. Now, somebody else quoted scripture in that verse. Satan quoted scripture. The thing is though, Satan can never quote scripture in its perfect context. He can never quote it without twisting it. He's the father of lies, he cannot not lie. So when he said, and he knows scripture, when he says it, he twists it and used it against us, just like he did in the Garden of Eden, just like he tried to in Matthew four with Jesus in the wilderness, that's his nature now, It's to be that way. So you have to know the truth so you can expose the counterfeit. So God promises that if we abide in him, his word shall abide in us and we will be granted anything we ask according to his will. That's John That's John 15, seven. So we need to meditate on his word day and night until it becomes second nature to us, until it becomes muscle memory, okay? When I was a knight at medieval times, and I did my fights, I had to go over them day after day for all 10 years I was there. The reason being is so it was burned in my head. So when we go full speed and fight in the show, I don't hit somebody and hurt them because my muscle memory goes and and basically does the fight for me. When you're a brand new knight and you're fighting, you get super tired really easily because your mind is working and your body. So your body doesn't know the exact path to go. So your mind is constantly telling your body, go here, now go here, now over there. So there's no fluidity. You don't have the fluidity of the, the use of your sword. Now with muscle memory, your brain stops thinking and then you start just doing it, doing it, doing it. That's how we need to have the word. We need to stop, ah, oh, is this what the word says, blah, blah, We need to have it years of study and practice to where we are wielding our sword, boom, 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 like a master, okay? And we use it for good, not for evil. A Pharisee would use the sword for evil. The enemy wields the sword for evil. Now. Applying the word of God, which is also called wielding the sword. So to successfully wield the shining blade of the Lord, we must be able to effectively apply the word of God to our lives. You see something in the Bible, you walk it out. Forgive people, you go and forgive people. Love your neighbor, you go and love your neighbor. Give to the poor, you go and give to the poor. It's not because you're adding up a list, it's because you're being the way God says to be. Now that in the spiritual is you training with your sword. That's you sword training. That's you weapons training. So when you're walking out the word, first you're learning about your sword. You're learning the care for your sword. You're learning how to polish it. You're learning how to rebind the handle, okay? Then, when you put it into practice, you're learning how to use it. Now what is a sword? It's an offensive weapon. It's used for fighting. Now when the watchers brought down knowledge from heaven, the secrets of heaven, they brought down the art of weapon making. Okay, now they used it for evil. They used it for warfare in a negative way. They used it for the killing of innocents. The way we use it is for the defending of innocence, for the destruction of darkness. We use our weapons for. The point is applying the word in your everyday life is wielding the sword in the spirit. So you don't get to pick and choose what you're gonna obey in the word. You need to under. You're gonna make a ton of mistakes, but you just need to walk out what you know and what you can. You, you're constantly learning. You'll constantly change until you get you until you get your stride, and you'll still change, but you'll have the majority. You won't be thrown to and fro so often once you've walked with the Lord for for a while. You can succumb to that, but hopefully you're not doing that. Now if you read the now James one twenty two says, You only deceive yourself if you read the word, but you don't walk it out. That's like a man who knows everything about swords except for how to use one. Useless. So let's look at Luke 9 62. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plough and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So If you go to try to live your life for God and then you walk away, you're not fit for the kingdom. If you have your foot on the gas and then you just walk away, it's like backsliding. No, that's not acceptable. Come back, get back to work. You pick up right where you left off. So don't think you can can dabble in the Christian life. You can't. All you've done is put an even bigger target on your back while you're here. If you didn't even go to the Christian life, you would just die and go to hell anyways. But if you dabble and then walk away, now you have a target on your back, okay? So if you become a Christian, you have a target on your back as well, but you also have the armor of God and the sword of the spirit. So don't take this lightly. Don't take the Christian walk lightly. You're gonna make a ton of mistakes, but you keep going. You keep going, you keep learning. Like I said, our battle's not against flesh and blood. We have uh, the fallen angels masquerading themselves as the pagan gods of the world. We have their disembodied spirits plaguing us every day opposing um, as dead relatives, all that kind of thing, and we have our fellow man warring against us, empowered by the dark side, or just empowered by their own flesh. All the while, while serpents are bruising our heels, while while the other demonic forces are messing with us. Now, now the enemy like now. Here's something I thought of. The enemy likes to kill, still and destroy. Our sword of the spirit comes to heal, fill, and defend. Our sword heals the sick and demon oppressed. It fills us with the Holy Spirit, and it defends the weak. Boom. That is powerful. That we are the antithesis to the enemy's plan. That's what the sword of the Spirit does. So now, that's the main offensive weapon everybody knows. Let's get to our next piece. A lot of people don't readily identify this piece, and I was one of those people until I researched this episode. So, Ephesians 6.18. It's right after the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Verse. It says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Well, where's the weapon in that? Well, it's obvious the spiritual weapon is prayer and supplication. But how do, what do we liken that to? When you look at the Roman soldier's gear at the, time, at the time when Paul wrote the letter to Ephesians, all the pieces are accounted for in Ephesians except for one, and that is his lance. Now, a Roman soldier's lance was his spear, the lance of prayer and supplication. Now, what does a knight have? A knight has a lance. So basically, a spear and a a jousting lance are mid-range weapons that have a longer range than your sword. You can use them from farther away. You can use them to to keep an enemy at a distance and fight. And then when they close the distance, you, you use the sword of the spirit. So what that shows us is that prayer and supplication are a mid-range weapon. It's it's not to go unnoted, okay? We have two offensive weapons now. Let's change the way we think about this, you know, for these last days. So a lance, like I said, is an offensive weapon. It's used to hit enemies from about mid-range. For the Roman, it was a spear. For the knight, it was a jousting lance. Prayer is when we speak to Yahweh while he is not face-to-face with us. It's It's our going back and forth. And supplication is the act of begging for something earnestly or humbly. So the lance of supplication is the, the weapon of praying and talking to our Father, asking Him humbly, and it's done with the empower empowering of the Holy Spirit. So the, the Holy Spirit helps us pray what we do not know how to pray. So we have the greatest helper of all to help us to wield this lance. That's amazing. So So this lance is directly empowered by the Holy Spirit. I mean, all this stuff is, but prayer... The Holy Spirit will lead you to to pray. Now, a huge part of this is intercession. Intercession for the saints. So it says, uh, perseverance and supplication for all saints. So we are to intercede. We are to, to, what intercede means is to step in for, to go on behalf of. We need to step in for our brethren and the lost and pray for their souls. We need to go on behalf of the lost and oppressed and deliver them and pray and ask God to heal them. We also need to stay aggressive about prayer. Intercession and warfare praying, which is healing, praying for gifts, praying over cities, praying over churches, praying against darkness. Intercession warfare prayer. Use that lance offensively. Prayer isn't just, oh please God help me. No, it's it's God. I'm I'm. I'd love to do my part in this fight. God, with your power, please do this. If this is according to your will, your your Bible says this. And I'm asking that from you. I'm asking you to go save this city. It's on my heart to pray for this person whose, whose leg is broken. Please heal it supernaturally so they know it's you. Lead them to a life with you from what you do with healing their leg. Stuff like that. Now, none of this is effective without the one who empowers it. Without a, a relationship with the Lord, none of this is effective for you. None of this is even available to you. Now, I'm going to leave you with one of my favorite verses in the Bible Joshua 1 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, let's get into this verse. Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. The Lord thy God is with you wherever you go. Why do you think he told Joshua to not be afraid? How do you feel when a demonic presence enters the room? You feel terrified. Okay. Now, what are those? What are those spirits? The disembodied spirits of the giants. What was Joshua fighting? The giants. Do you think Joshua wasn't afraid? Why would God tell someone who wasn't afraid to not be afraid? This leads me to believe Joshua was terrified fighting these giants. And guess what? The Lord God empowered him. And then guess what he did? He wiped the majority of them out. Praise God. Glory to God right now. That's amazing. That is just, to me, that speaks to me volumes. And it should speak to you as well. Because he had to go and fight these things before they were demons. He had to physically see. He had to look at the circumstances. He had to see that 9, 10 footer. Okay? And he had to go fight it. And if if their spirits torment us now, you think their spirits inside of them then didn't torment us, I think there's something to do with our image and their image. When the images clash, there's friction. There's repulsion. So we're gonna get into a summary. This summary comes from Russ Dizdar's book, Expelling Darkness. So uh, some of it I, I, I put in my own stuff with it too, but this is just a basic summary of the armor of God. Okay, so this is how you could put on each piece. The belt of truth. You equipped it by accepting all truth of scripture. Live by that truth. Put that truth into action. Speak and live truthfully. This will allow Jesus to live through you and your belt to be equipped. Breastplate of righteousness, how do you put it on? You accept the righteousness of Christ. You accept that He justified you. You live in that righteousness and justification. You live in obedience to the Word of God. You do not live with any willful and undealt with sin in your life. Boom, breastplate's on. Now, the the preparedness from the gospel boots of peace, how do you put those on? You always be prepared to serve, minister, win souls, pray, and or deal with spiritual warfare and demons. You maintain peace with God and let his peace rule in your heart and always be prepared. You try to live peacefully with all men whenever possible. You do not let fear, anger, or anything else rule in place of peace and love. Helmet of salvation, how do you put that on? You be sure of and filled with all aspects of our wondrous salvation. You understand you are forgiven, freed, and Christ is in you. You realize all the promises of God are yours. You realize you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit and the presence and power of God, the Father, and Jesus." Shield of faith. You put it on by exercising faith in God and his word, boldly trusting Jesus and his word in the midst of spiritual warfare. Take dominion over your thought life from the lying communications of the enemy, which are the fiery darts. Sword of the spirit. You use and apply the word of God to your life. You study, know, and love the word. You memorize scripture. You confess the word of God often and out loud. The lance of prayer and supplication. Always go to your secret place and spend quiet time with the Lord, no matter how busy you become. Seek the Lord's face in prayer and don't rush it. Never cease from praying. Pray in this power of the Holy Spirit and ask that He help lead and energize you to pray. Pray for discernment, protection, and authority. Now, to sum it up, you receive all of these pieces by faith and you manifest them through obedience to God. Faith and obedience are inseparable to the believer. This is the armor of God. Praise God for allowing us to wear this set. All right, so now that we've gone over the main points of the Armor of God, now that we have a deeper understanding of it, now it is appropriate to give you the summary, the real summary of how to put it on and the summary of what the armor means. First, I wanted to lay the groundwork. I wanted to dig in deep with you guys, but now I can give you the very easy compilation of what it means to to wear the Armor of God and what the Armor of God actually is. Now here is the secret here is the revelation of the armor of god jesus is the armor of god so let's go ahead and work our way through and and i'll explain so the belt of truth jesus is truth the holy spirit is the spirit of truth now we see in john 14 6 it says jesus saith unto him i am the way the truth and the life no man cometh unto the father but by me so right there with the belt jesus is truth now what about righteousness for the breastplate of righteousness we are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Now 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us, referring to Jesus, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now the preparation from the gospel boots of peace. The gospel message is the good news of Jesus Christ dying for the forgiveness of our sins. Now we see the gospel message in 1 Corinthians 15.3-4. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to scriptures. We also know from Isaiah 9, 6, that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Now for the helmet of salvation, the name Jesus can mean God is salvation. Now let's look at Luke one thirty one, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. Now we're gonna look at John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. What about the shield of faith? Well, the Lord is the author and finisher of our faith, and he is also our shield. Psalms twenty eight seven. The Lord is my strength and my shield. Hebrews 12.2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now let's look at the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit is the word of God, and Jesus is the word of God. We see that in John 1.1, where it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now for our lance of prayer and supplication, our seventh piece, prayer is speaking to Jesus. Now we see in Philippians 4.6-7, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So, you, you see, we work our way through every single piece, and they all point back to Jesus. So, if you are in Jesus, you are in the armor of God. The armor of God is His armor, and it's all, it also is Jesus. If you are walking with Jesus, with Jesus in you, you are wearing His armor. So that is the, the most important part of this entire episode. This is the most edifying, this is the most valuable part of this episode. Now I put a screenshot up of this, these, these notes right here. I, you, you need to take a screenshot of this so you have it, so you can reference it. So just pause the YouTube video, take a screenshot, and I'm sure I'll post this on, on the, the Facebook within a couple days so people can see it. But it's important that you, rem- you remember this. But this is an important layout I wanted to get out there. And I pray to God this richly blesses everyone who reads this and looks at this screenshot. Not because of anything to do with me, my videos, my ministry, nothing. This is all about Jesus, this is all about salvation, and this is all about equipping the remnants for the coming times, and just for everyday life. It's all great to prepare for the end times, as we should. But just remember, we have everyday life we have to get through. If you can't love your neighbor, your literal neighbor even, if you can't uh, love somebody through being rude to you, how are you expected to deal with demonic forces? How are you expected to deal with the spirits of Nephilim? If you can't even handle somebody cutting you off in traffic. So that is the summary of what the armor is and how to put it on. Thank you. For our conclusion, let's get into why this matters. This matters because the days of Christians walking around as spiritual pincushions are over, if I can help it, if you can help it, if we can help it. If the radical Christians can help it, the days of walking around as Christian pincushions are over. And if some Christians won't take those out of their backs, we'll take them out through through the empowerment of the Lord. Now, we need to use the authority God gives us and the armor he gives us and the weapons he gives us and stand for what's right and fight back. No laziness in the kingdom of God. You've heard the phrase, idle hands are the devil's playground. Look at God. He created everything. He's a hard worker. He took one day of rest out of seven days. You need to be a hard worker. Work for the kingdom. Work for what matters. The sick need to be healed. The poor need to be fed. The oppressed need to be delivered. People need to hear the gospel. This is our mission not arguing on the internet about if you think Kanye West is saved, okay? You can talk about it, okay? You can talk about it. But if you're wasting your energy and fruit and time on that and not doing the other stuff, stop wasting your time. It's good to talk about that stuff. It's good for the, it's good for the body to have discussions, to sharpen our swords. Iron sharpens iron. But to waste time on it is dumb. To argue about the rapture, yes, the the rapture matters. But does it matter for your salvation? No, okay? You can talk about it but don't have infighting. You're supposed to to lock shields with your brothers and sisters and push forward, not look sideways and fight the person next to you. So that's the the mission, to win souls for the kingdom, spread the gospel, heal, I need to do all this too. I need to do this a lot more, okay? This is amazing that we gotta talk about this. Who knows how long these videos will be able to be up? Who knows how long YouTube will be around? Who knows who the next you know ruler of this country will be and if, if they'll persecute us even more than the last one? not the current one, but the last one, but apply the Bible, read the Bible, love it, apply it. That's the main point of this. Nothing else of this matters besides you getting in your word, learning how to fight these battles and fighting them. So now we're going to get into our paid content for the week, which is the upgrades for the armor found elsewhere in the New Testament. It's a little something I came across, but that's all for this week, guys. God bless and stay rad.